0: I know that the great majority of you were not privileged like we were on Tuesday night right after the problem there at the trade centers and then at the Pentagon and then the uh, crash in Pennsylvania these four different flights uh, but some even discouraged us. We were already planned to go down to my son's ordination on Friday. And we'd already lined up all this. And so I was, uh, the gas stations were lined up and with all kinds of people there. And I wondered would I even have it, be able to get gas at that time, you know, when things happen like this quickly. And uh, didn't know whether I should go or not. And so I, we were planning on leaving, I think, on Wednesday morning. And instead I said, let's go now. Let's just get out of here. Well, it gets, surely the, uh, it, it hasn't hit all the gas stations by now, and we'll get some gas before it's all gone. At least we'll get down there, and then we'll pray about getting back. And uh, some of those people were price gouging and everything. So what it means is that we traveled all night long on Tuesday to go, get over to Pensacola, Florida. And so for all those hours, we were listening to the radio, and hearing about all these terrible happenings in our country. And so if I'm a little fired up about that more than you are, you didn't listen as many hours as I did. And uh, maybe you didn't find out as many things as I did either. And so uh, uh, we're the results of what we hear, are we not? And we get fired up about what we hear. That's why the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So keep yourself filled up with the Word, amen? Then you will be talking about the Word of God. And I want to deal with this matter of our country. Uh, we're in a, a great uh, travesty has taking place, and we're in a great uh, place not knowing what to do because our enemy is not so defined easily in this terrorist movement. But turn with me first of all. I want to use as a springboard verse uh, Romans 1.18. 8, uh, And we'll be dealing with this matter. I already said earlier that America is probably the most Christian nation in the whole world. And I believe with all my heart, although there may be a very small country that is a great number of their people have become Christians. You know what I'm talking about in the last few years. and You don't know that much about them yet. Uh, There's greater missionary effort around the world in getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out in America than I know of any other country. We were founded on Christian principles. And uh, we were encouraged even by our president on Friday to have a whole uh, day of prayer. Well, that prayer was to the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, some of you didn't hear that, but in his earlier... Uh, things He quoted the, uh, part of the 23rd Psalm in regard to this uh, terrible situation as well. And he said, though we, uh, yea, though you ye go through the valley of the shadow of death. And he quoted Scripture. Well, that's pointing us to God. And so we've also heard, some of you don't know that, but we've heard that our president has led people to Christ over the phone and at a certain banquet that he dealt with a young man there and led him to Christ at some fancy banquet. And uh, you say, well, is he a real? Is he a Christian like we are? If he's saved, he is. He maybe is not exactly in line with everything we are. I don't know if he's a Methodist or a, a Episcopalian or whatever he is, but I really believe he's a believer. I believe he knows Christ. And the reason I say that is because when we were battling the witches three years ago, and we were the church that really was the only one I know about that was extremely outspoken against this witchcraft, this Wiccan thing here at Fort Hood, a lady came over, and she had just interviewed Governor Bush, who was getting lined up for the uh, he had announced his uh, plea for the presidency. And uh, so she came here, and she'd been a graduate. She'd gone to two schools that we were familiar with, Tennessee Temple University and Bob Jones University. And she said, I just interviewed him, and she said, I really believe with all my heart he's a real Christian. Well, glory be to God. That's a little better than the last one we had in there. Anyhow, uh, man alive. We'll never get over the last eight years we had, though. Amen? It brought sadness to the heart of the people when the king or a president is not godly or godlike. And then, uh, so I just want to say that to say, that uh, America has been good to the poor. America has been very good to strangers, aliens from other countries. And that's told in Exodus 22 and 23 that there are blessings when we take care of the poor and the sick and the underprivileged and the handicapped. America has been very good to underprivileged people. Even my own daughter, uh, she had a problem. Patty, she has another problem. Continue to pray for her. She's going to have to have heart surgery probably again, and uh, also gallbladder surgery. But anyhow, we, uh, we didn't have any money and haven't had any money most of our ministry of any consequence. And so we didn't have any money for insurance. And uh, we got under the Crippled Children's uh, Fund, whatever it was, for the whole 21 years that our Patty, because it was congenital, she had uh, brain surgery at 10 days old. And she was on medication, anticonvulsant medication, for about 18 years, I think. Now she's off it all. Praise the Lord for that. But uh, we didn't have to pay for that medicine that we couldn't afford. And they took care of every visit so we could go. To the hospital, whether we had money or not. And America's been good to we poor people. I'm in a hospital that's been very good to this pastor. Scott and White Hospital took care of all the ministers and their families' expenses in their early time. And they're still doing this preacher pretty good. They took care of every bit of my wife's brain surgery, brain tumor removal. I want to, I said that to say this. America is only good, uh, only uh, good if she is good to others. And then you recall the man, I don't have the direct quote, and he said he looked all over America the years ago to try to find where America was great. And he looked in the, he looked in the educational universities and it was not there. And he looked in other places to try to find the greatness of America. And then he found, he went to the churches and he said, America is great because she is good. And there is great preaching and great churches in America. I'll tell you, the only thing good in us is Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. But if she has any goodness at all, it's because she's sought to obey the Scriptures. And so I wanted to bring that out first. Could we stand as we read Romans 1.18? I don't want you to get the idea that my whole message is negative because I'm glad I'm an American. And when they came back over here from the Saudi war, I was out there honking my horn like a madman. And before they went over, we were giving out tracts and they all received the tracts because they knew not whether they were coming back. When you get into a real bind, all these prejudices go out. We're wondering how many body bags we needed here to receive all those that were supposedly going to be killed in Saudi. Not hundreds like it was. Just a couple hundred died that I know of in the Saudi war. They were expecting multiple thousands. And they even changed a building around here at Fort Hood and called all of us ministers in there. To counsel with these people. i tell you, they need the Lord when they get in a real bind, don't they? They need our churches when they get into a bind and don't know what's going to happen next. They ought to want our services and our gospel tracts in peacetime too. Well, amen. Let's read this verse of Scripture, please. But lest you think that the whole message is negative. I wanted to say those statements in introduction. Chapter 1, verse 18, as we read together and pause where there is punctuation of any kind. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Let's bow for prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank Thee for Thy Word. Thy Word is true. Thou hast said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but My words shall not pass away. We come to the infallible, inerrant, inspired book this this morning and we glory in it. And we glory in Thee, Lord God of heaven, who gave us such a pure and, and unadulterated Word. We love Thee. We pray Thy blessing upon it this morning. And as it's being preached all around the world, we pray, our Father, for Thy blessing on Thy Word. Thou hast said... That thy word shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that which it's sent to do. Help us, dear Lord, as thy servants to rededicate our life to Thee afresh. May our young men still in the military, may they have great courage, great strength, and great confidence in thee. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The wrath of God. I want to speak to you about the wrath and judgment of God and, we, and the revival, possibly in America, of capital punishment. When you talk about war, you're talking about capital punishment. It's not any more capital than killing somebody, taking their life away. And the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. God says that blood that is shed, innocent blood that is shed. Then He said blood should be shed. Life for life. I get get so sick of these people that come around and say, oh, that's the Old Testament. I want you to know a perfect God gave a perfect Word. And two-thirds of it is Old Testament. And God never changed His mind about His Word. It's eternal. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And so when God said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, He meant an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Burning for burning. That's in Exodus. Let's look at that for a moment. This is what, when you get right down to it, this is talking about God and those that would judge between Different people. I'll tell you what, I've got to say this lest I forget it. God still thinks adultery is a wicked sin. God cannot change His mind about anything. God is immutable. He's unchangeable. And His Word is just like He is. And He is just like His Word. It's just not like God to change His mind about anything. You say, well, what about over there with in, about Jesus? He amplified the law and directed it to the heart. He didn't minimize it. He amplified it. So we need to get to the Scriptures. For all life and practice is answered in the book. God's given us all the answers we need. It's right in His book. We just have to look at it. The problem in America is the book is not being preached in its totality as it should be today. I believe uh, a hundred years ago that the Bible as a whole was preached in its totality in a much greater way. People didn't come up with this stuff about not using instruments. Because they preached on God giving David instruments. They knew the Word of God. Back in the, year, in the change of the last, last century, 100 years ago, they didn't quibble about the fact if adultery was sin or not, or if kidnapping was evil, or raping someone was evil, or perversion was wicked, bestiality, the whole thing. It's in the book, friends. The problem is they, need to, they had the preaching then and we don't have the preaching today. There's an overemphasis today on the love of God at the expense of His holiness and His righteousness and His justice and His wrath. When's the last time you heard a sermon on the wrath of God? You're hearing one this morning. The Bible says God's angry with the wicked every day. I want to say another thing. There's a difference between sin and wickedness. Now, all unrighteousness is sin. But there is a big difference between perversion. Amen? And fornication before marriage. Now, they're both sin. They're both evil. You say, well, uh, is, is fornication as bad as adultery? I say no. Because if a man had fornication with a young girl, he was forced to take her to be his wife. In the Old Testament. That's called a shotgun wedding. It's in the book. But if a man committed adultery with another man's wife, then they both were to die to death. And if they didn't, it was just the grace of God that kept them from dying for such a wicked sin. Yes, adultery is greater than fornication. I'm talking about the fornication here. I don't know about the matter of some fella purposely messing up a bunch of virgins. Hello. I want you to say there's a difference in sin, friends. Because if you just tell a lie, they don't cut your tongue out. Amen? Isn't lying? Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor or thy little friend if you're 10 years old. Huh? That's one of the Ten Commandments. But it's not punishable by death, but adultery is. And premeditated murder is. And what these fellas did on these two towers in flying their planes. Planes in there and killing innocent people is great, great, great wickedness before a holy God. And by the way, what should our attitude be toward that? Our attitude ought to be that we ought to grieve at all those precious uh, firemen that went back in there. Two or three hundred firemen lost and police officers and everything. Lost their life trying to rescue the first crowd and the building collapsed on top of them and they're all and a great number of them are all dead right now great heroism great courage and i'll tell you what it ought to do it ought to generate some anger cuz god's angry with that wicked act that took place by those wicked people You say. By the way, I heard one little thing on, the, on one little talk show and they were saying uh, how that we ought to be praying for the children of the ones who died, who flew the planes and cut the throats of the other people in the planes and so forth. And others came on and said, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for the poor, precious children of the people that died in that wicked thing. And I tell you, they have Bible for it too because Judas, you look in the Psalms and it says Judas's children will beg. And we see it all through the Bible, friends. We see it with David. What did he do? When authoritative people do wrong, all those people died when he numbered the people. Even David's baby died when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And even Uriah the Hittite died at the hand of David. And then also the others that died when they shot the arrows from the, uh, the close by when Joab got Uriah up close there to cover David's sin. And those people all died. There were many funerals the next few weeks. Innocent people i tell you, God gets upset with sin, but especially when innocent people are sinned against. God gets upset. Now, the Bible says we shouldn't be soon angry, but if your loved ones were just, if if your brother and your uh, your, uh, father, your 70, what was he, 71-year-old father, or 81, he was in the building, he got killed and a fellow's brother got killed and he was a fireman, third-generation fireman. I'll tell you what, I just, you just cry until you can't cry anymore, and then after you get you cry, all cried out, you get upset. You say, I want something done about this! <laughs> you say, shouldn't we be satisfied just that all those men who were so crazy to kill themselves just to kill others? Are people crazy today? These people. Now, I'm not saying they're insane. No, they had their sanity, but they were acting like insane people. No, that's the ones that we need to be weeping over and crying over. By the way, Achan, when he took the accursed thing, you know what happened? His whole family died too. I've got so many, I could go on and on and on about accountability. You men better live right or your children and your wife might really pay. Amen. You better live right. Well, you found your place, I hope. Exodus 21. Let's go through this quickly. We pray and then we'll preach a number of things, give a number of things, and, and we hope we won't keep you forever here. But the little song says, take time to be holy. Speak oft with thy Lord. Abide in Him always and feed on His Word. Make friends of God's children. Help those that are weak. And nothing, His blessing. Forgetting and nothing, His blessing to seek. Exodus 21, verse 12. We'll start there, please. 21, verse 12. He that smiteth a man so that he die, he shall surely, he shall be surely put to death. Then down to verse number... That's for smiting. That's, he smote a man and killed him. Then verse 15 with me, please. He that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. Verse 16. And he that stealeth a man... This is kidnapping. Stealeth a man and selleth him. Or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. Kidnapping is a wicked, wicked, wicked sin. And God says, and God has never changed his mind, because God cannot change his mind. I know what says in the Bible God repented of what he thought to do, but he said in his word, If you do this, then I will not do what I'm going to do to you. That's what that means about God repenting. God doesn't change his mind about anything, he's eternal. He just said, if you do this, like in Nineveh, he said, I'm going to destroy Nineveh in 40 days. Nineveh will be destroyed. And the Lord repented because Jonah, when he was spit up by the fish, the great whale there, he was thrown, he went back and preached. And what? They repented and God changed. And then they were destroyed many years later, but not then. Now, it was God's intention to destroy them if they did not repent. But he'd already said it in his word and promised them, if you repent, I'll I'll save you. What about the judges? Did he not do that over and over again? When they went to idol worship, he turned them over to their enemies. And then when they got right and really repented, what? He he raised up a judge to deliver them from their problem. All right? Verse 17. Look at this verse. It says here, He that curseth his father or his mother shall surely... Be surely put to death. We preached on that last Sunday. Honor thy father and thy mother. That's what we need in this country. Boy, God says if you curse your father and mother, you ought to die the death. And Jesus put his approval on that when they tried to change it as we preached last Sunday. And they said it is Corbin so they don't have to do anything for their parents anymore. And their traditions became more important than the word of God. And my Savior committed Mary, his mother, into the hands of John, and John took her to his house there at the cross. You're to honor your father and mother in every way. And by the way, I've thought of something recently. We really need to, we really need to maybe forget about this uh, father-in-law and mother-in-law and father-in-law joking around. It's not too smart. It's not too smart at all. You know why? Because they too shall be one flesh. Isn't that what my Bible says? Therefore, if you would not honor your father-in-law or your mother-in-law, you're encouraging your wife to not honor your mother-in-law or your father-in-law. Because they too are one flesh. And vice versa. You don't have to obey them anymore. We covered that Sunday. But you better honor them. You say they're not worthy of honor. You honor them anyhow. Talk about them lightly. Because that's your wife's mother or father. Or that's your husband's mother or father. So it would be a very wicked thing for you and I to sanction turning anybody against their mother or father. We'd be involved in their wickedness. Verse number 19, if he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him be quit. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time. It goes on about this matter of smiting the one and killing them. I jumped ahead. Verse number 23 is what I want. If any, and if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life. Life for life. Did you see that? Life for life. The Bible says in many places, then shall man's blood be shed. If you shed innocent blood, then your blood is to be shed. Even Joab, he'd shed so much blood and he's hanging at the altar. God's, and uh, the, 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 king then said, get him off the altar and slay him. Get him away from the altar. Kill him right at the altar. Better watch out. This business is shedding innocent blood. I know a lot of these things are debatable. Should Joab have done what he did with Uriah the Hittite? I don't know all the answers in the book, but I know the God who knows all the answers. And this book knows all the answers, has all the answers. It's just not easy to discern at times, is it? We have a perfect word from a perfect God going to a perfect heaven. Everything about my savior is perfect. Verse 29 says here if a owner has a beast and he does not keep that beast in and he's prone to push and he kills someone else, it says in the last part of verse 29, it says and his owner also shall be put to death. He was prone to push this ox like a bull And the man didn't keep him in and he killed another man. God says he should have kept him in. He let him run all over the place and do his thing and he killed another man. Then that owner is to be, the ox is to be killed and kill the owner too. Why? Because life is precious to God. God giveth life and God taketh it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The only times we're to take it away, a man's life away, it's because they have mistreated other people. To the place of gross wickedness and what god says by the way i want to inform you this some people say well all this thievery if you've had anything stolen from you i'll tell you, you get it, stealing's awful it's terrible but you're not to cut their hand off my bible does not say you cut their hand off you say they do that over in those countries they're wrong because if he gets saved and trusts jesus he's not a thief any longer My Bible says he's to pay back fourfold of all he stole. And if it's the ox, he's to pay back five oxen for one. If he he stole it and he killed it and ate it or sold it, if you find it in his hand, two for one. Sheep and ox. Make people pay back what they stole. Don't cut their hand off. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. By the way, what about witches? Well, I'm glad the Bible, you, I'm glad you asked the question. Look at verse 18 of the next chapter. Exodus chapter 22. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. That's the one that got us all around the world two or three years ago in our fight against witchcraft. I didn't know any other verse in the Bible. I said, the Bible says thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. I didn't even know where it was in the Bible. I don't think I even told the lady on the phone. And it went all the way into the London Telegraph and the German Stern Magazine. And it went to the Washington Post. And it went everywhere into the Austin uh, Statesman. It went everywhere. That this preacher said, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And I believe it more now than I did then. God hates witchcraft. Just as He hates kidnapping. Just as He hates adultery. God hates bestiality. God hates homosexuality. Say, where is that in there? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's verse 19, the next verse. Look at the next one. Verse 19. It says, whosoever... Now, this is the beast one. Whosoever lieth with a beast shall surely be put to death bestiality oh god has it in his word god and that we, we're not supposed to revile the gods and all the scriptures as just full of good scriptures we are not to allow these people to live and then adultery Well, it's all over the Scriptures. I want to give a number of points and then we'll, Lord willing, be through the message. It says in the Scriptures, Another place he that lieth with man shall be put to death. Mentioned many times in Scripture. In fact, it's in our original text over there in Romans. It says men with men doing that which is unseemly. That incurs the wrath of God. So it was a greater travesty when our president, when he just got in office the first week, our previous president, when he sanctioned all perver- perverts in his first week in his office. It should infuriate us back then. It should make some of our men say, I'm getting out of the army. if he If he forces my hand one bit more, I'm out of here. Because that's not just sin. That's... Sin that is accountable to the place where they should die, lose their life for perversion. I'd like to know if you think that homosexuality is worse than adultery. How many think that homosexuality is worse than adultery? I don't think it is. I know it is. Because it says in the Bible that it's an abomination to God. And God never says adultery is an abomination that I know of. But He says that perversion is abominable. It means that God's nauseated, God detests it. There's different degrees of sin, friends. Oh, yes. And I'm glad that I'm still alive. Amen. I'm glad. When I told a lie before I got saved, I'm glad God didn't shut, cut me off. I'm glad he didn't send me to hellfire, but he saved my soul. I'm glad there's a difference in sin. Some have even committed some of these ones that are, uh, are worthy of death, and yet God saved us, us anyhow, amen, by his grace. Isn't that wonderful? Well, the first thing, God is getting us back to basics in America, I believe. And basics are the laws of God, the law of the Lord. And it's going to teach us this, I believe. God is teaching us through this terrible thing in New York and Washington and in Pennsylvania. An overemphasis of the love of God at the expense of his wrath and holiness is wrong. The second thing I believe he's going to teach us is unifying against a common enemy, is good. We need unification against that which we are commonly all against. And we all are against, I believe, generally speaking, everybody, even the weak people, are against taking innocent blood, killing innocent people. By the way, the third one is God hates wickedness and God hates shedding of blood. I believe God's teaching us through this through this terrible problem on Tuesday. And then God's going to teach us that God will judge sin. He will punish evil. On the radio, uh, over and over again, they said, this is evil. This is evil. Well, where does evil come from? The devil? It is evil. I believe God's Word will teach us, this will teach us that God and His Word declare that there are different degrees of evil. I've already covered that, and different degrees of punishment for that evil. I believe that God will teach us that God and man have a right to be angry at extreme evil. I believe this will teach us that we as God, we as God must judge other men and destroy such as these who harm the innocent. And we have no choice in the matter. I think all of Congress kind of agreed to that. All the senators and all the House of Representatives all agreed when they gave them an extra $20 billion to find these people and punish them. They just plain, you know what they plain did? They just kind of cut the president's hands loose, didn't they? They said you want twenty billion, we'll give you forty billion. We don't like this. I think it forces people to get some biblical sense or common sense or whatever you want to call it. it teaches us that the wrath of God does not violate, nullify, or minimize his great love to us for there was great love shown for those who died so his wrath does not nullify his love God loves me just as much as he did before Tuesday amen and God loved those innocent people that died there too innocent people did you know that it says over there in Jonah even and much cattle God even cares for the cattle that he created. So the heart of the Lord was probably grieved also when he drowned all those cows that didn't get in the ark, all those other beasts that he had created that didn't get in the ark. Probably the Lord was grieved because of man's wicked sin that all those innocent animals had to die because of man's sin. God tells us another place that we should even not mistreat a dumb beast. God cares, doesn't he? You know, God cares so much. The greatest command, we brought it up last week, the greatest uh, promise that is the same promise for honoring thy father and mother is the same one over in Deuteronomy 22 where it tells about a little a little bird that you shouldn't take the dam away from the bird's nest, from the uh, the young, and don't destroy nests in the way. Purposely, God even cares for little birds. I think he'll care for you and me. See, God, God is a loving God. Does this mean that God doesn't care for the sparrows just because He allowed this to happen on Tuesday? Or that uh, I believe the Lord's well pleased that our America is this, uh, that our country of America has decided that we should go after these people who may kill a number of other people in the weeks and months and years to come, whether they be in America or somewhere else. They need to be stopped. teaches us that the wrath of man does not violate, nullify, or minimize our great love for God or for humanity. I love people as much today. Even though so many accuse us because we preach so hard against sin, they think you almost hate the sinners. I get so upset with sin that they think I hate them. Well, I still weep over sinners. The Christ in me still loves precious souls and the one Yesterday, he just got out of jail. And I had the privilege to get to sit down there with his little baby girl. His wife's still in jail for a domestic problem. It's not his wife, he's living with her. I said, You ought to get married. I didn't have a lot of time, so I said, Let's sit down here and show you something from the Bible. He said he needed help. I think he needed help. his live-in still over there who did produce that little girl. And here I'm showing him Scripture verses, trying to point him to the Lamb of God, taking away the sin of the world. He readily agreed he was a sinner. He just got out of jail. You maybe would too. (coughs) And I told him he's going to hell if he didn't repent and trust Jesus Christ. He's a Savior. How my heart thrilled as he followed me in prayer he said i don't know how to pray well you can just follow me in a simple prayer As we got down on our knees people walking by out there i don't care who's walking by god's come near and you can take the word of god and show a sinner a way out of his sin oh how the angels of god hover around i believe god is well pleased when men repent and trust him It's like love and fear. You know, some of these terms are very really difficult in the Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And yet, in another verse, it says, perfect love casteth out fear. That's probably the fear of man. We're always to fear God. Hard to decipher a lot of these, these, these things. But these people, you know, where they put this on their you know, chest, no fear. You better fear God. You don't have any knowledge or wisdom. And then it teaches us, This problem will teach us, I believe, that justice is very important to God and mankind. Justice needs to be done. It will also teach us that terrorism is a common enemy to free people and all people. Common enemy. All peace-loving people. And then just a few more. I believe this incident on Tuesday will teach us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We need to be very cautious lest we say that this all took place because of a certain thing. And I heard what Billy Graham said on the radio, and I heard what Jerry Falwell said, and then he apologized later. Well, I kind of waited my time out, and I'll make my declaration after I've thought the thing through and prayed about it. The rain does fall on the just and the unjust. for you to think that every person in that thing that went down, that they were all on their way to hell and they got their just desserts, just like in the flood or like when the fire fell from Sodom and Gomorrah, I differ with you. I'm sorry I differ with you. I do not know why this took place in our country, but I think it's going to have some... Good results, although it's so sad at the expense. Can you imagine 5,000 families? 5,000 families are going to have to have funerals in the next couple weeks, or they've already had it. Many of them have already had it. We should weep with them that do weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. My Bible says so. And though this may well have brought our attention because of our sin, I'm not saying that's not the case. But I'm not God and I don't know everything. But I know the God who knows everything. And He's great in compassion and mercy also. It teaches us that we will all be brought to judgment one day. It also teaches us how precious and priceless blood is and life is. It teaches us patriotism. I think this has been a good thing to get us back to some patriotism. That's a fire cry from the, uh, the Vietnam War when I was in the Navy during the Vietnam War. And I could have gone over there with the Marines because they don't have their own medical corps. And they were planning on sending me. See, you, your thing doesn't hold water if you think that, uh, think that everybody that gets killed in a war that they're bad, terrible, wicked sinners on their way to hell. They may be wonderful, fine Christians on their way to heaven. And if they are, it's instant glory anyhow. Amen? Some great and good and godly men have lost their life in the line of battle or on the police force or on the fire department or some other thing. Don't you judge that. We don't know. Just pray for them and weep with them. Get involved had a lot of blood given, didn't they? Praise God, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son cleanses us from all sin. Without blood, you can't live, friends. And then just a couple others will be through. How, how hopeless, doesn't this teach us how hopeless we are without God? And then how vulnerable we all are to all kinds of things. And how we need to pray. For yourself, for your president, for others. I think this also speaks of the power of God. I, don't, I wonder if there was one believer at during this time that didn't think about the glorious and powerful second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when you have a great catastrophe. Even so, come Lord Jesus! We know not the day nor the hour, do we? And then you know what else it teaches us? It ought to teach us the brevity of life. What is your life it is even a vapor that appeareth a little time and then vanisheth away. I want you to know none of those people that went to work that day thought that was going to happen. None of those people that got on those airplanes thought that was going to happen. Those parents that put their uh, and loved ones that put their people on the airlines that day, they had no idea their their plane was coming down and crashing.